0: The Nonprofit Hour, a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders, with interviews, profiles, and documentaries.
1: This is the Nonprofit Hour program here on X Ray FM. The show is brought to us by the Media Institute for Social Change a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. I'm Jason Dennington. Today on the show, we're focusing on the idea of collaboration. Whether it's working with like-minded organizations, government bureaus, or neighborhood and community groups, Nearly all nonprofits learn that forming partnerships is tremendously valuable toward attaining their organizational goals. In the first half of the show, Julie Falk speaks with Glenn Montgomery and Felicita Monteblanco of Vision Action Network. Over 15 years ago, several Washington County government officials and community leaders identified a need to understand how it had transformed from years of explosive population growth and initiated a countywide effort that sought to develop strategies around community issues while also building the capacity for collaborative community action. In 2002, in response to this need, VAN was formed as a private nonprofit agency to be a catalyst, incubator, and facilitator for resulting collaborative efforts to improve life for people throughout Washington County. They join us today to discuss their past, present, and future, and explain the vital importance of fostering collaborations and maintaining a holistic view in addressing the needs of the diverse Washington County communities. In the next half, we have another segment in our ongoing series of interviews of candidates who are running for office in our Portland city government. Throughout the months leading up to our primary election on May 17th, we are bringing you conversations with the people who are seeking to lead our city to discuss their vision for our future, the pressing issues that need to be addressed in our community and the ways in which government and nonprofits must collaborate to achieve positive outcomes for all of our residents. Today, Phil Bussey talks with current Multnomah County Commissioner and Portland mayoral candidate, Jules Bailey. He shares with us his perspective on what are the critical areas that require attention most and his positive outlook for the future of Portland. Keep tuning in to the Nonprofit Hour over the coming weeks to hear from many more of the candidates about their ideas about the direction we should travel if they were to be at the helm of the city. Now let's listen in to Glenn Montgomery and Felicita Monteblanco from Vision Action Network. Here's Julie Falk.
2: Hello and welcome. This is the Nonprofit Hour. I'm your host, Julie Falk. This is the Nonprofit Hour brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change. Today, I'm talking to Glenn Montgomery, executive director of Vision Action Network, and Felicita Monteblanco. Welcome, Felicita and Glenn. Could you begin by telling our listeners um, about the Vision Action Network? How did it come to be, and what is its history?
0: Sure. Thanks, Julie. Um, So Van was born out of a countywide visioning process back in 2000 when then-county administrator Charles Cameron wanted to bring stakeholders together across sectors and to um, work on solving a problem. And that problem was... uh, In addressing human issues, social issues in the county, it was frequently the case where the county found itself uh, being requested to do certain things that it didn't quite have the bandwidth to take on. And the county was growing tired of being uh, the county that said no to these types of issues.
2: What types of issues were these?
0: Well, these were issues related to anything from poverty to sustainability to medical and mental health, um, any issue that you might think that a social services or, or a, a charitable nonprofit is oftentimes engaged in, but governments also provide services uh, to the community along those lines. So historically, Washington County um, has felt that it has three roles, that sometimes it provides services, sometimes it partners with organizations that provide those services, and sometimes it will just promote initiatives and not really take active involvement. But the problem that was occurring was that there was this perception that the county wasn't taking full responsibility. And so in bringing together the community, the county said, we can do this better together. And we need all stakeholders from government, the private sector, nonprofits, faith based community to identify these critical issues and figure out how we work together collaboratively to address them. And so, out of that process, It was determined that a third party was needed to convene all of these stakeholders, a third party that didn't have a specific agenda in mind other than bringing everyone together to identify issues and figure out how to work collaboratively to address them.
2: So for our listeners, how would you describe Washington County? What are the needs? What is is the population base?
0: You know, Washington County is an interesting place because it is oftentimes referred to as the economic engine of the state, in large part because we have some some very large employers, Intel, Nike, um, some in the medical device manufacturing. So there is a lot of wealth generated from business in Washington County. We have the highest median family income of any county in the state. And yet, juxtaposed to that, we have one in nine people that is living at the federal poverty level, so it's almost as if we're a microcosm of the United States. We've got some very wealthy, and some very poor. And, and
3: I'll, I'll add that Washington County is the most diverse county in the state. City of Beaverton has um, the youngest um, median age um, in the state of maybe the uh, in the state, <laughs> um, and we. Uh, we are a mix of agricultural and suburban areas, um, and we're just booming in population. Uh,
2: what, is, just... what is the population currently? In...
0: It's around 575,000.
2: And how has that changed over the past 5, 10 years?
0: I'm not sure um, the growth rate, but there have been tens of thousands over the last couple of decades that have moved into Washington County. The problem that we're seeing, one of the trends that we're watching, is that the poverty rate, the, the number of people that are in poverty, is growing roughly five times faster than the overall population growth in Washington County. So that's one of the trends that we're keeping an eye on, and we're trying to figure out ways to reverse that.
2: Well, tell us, so what's driving that population growth, and what's driving the, the poverty
3: in terms of the growth, I think it's access to homes. Um, they're building lots of homes in our area. Um, and our urban bath urban growth boundary keeps getting extended so they can build into areas that, you know, used to not be able to do. Um, and Washington County is a wonderful place, you know, it's where I choose to live. Um, and I, I get the appeal.
0: Yeah. And industry has been driving that population mm-hmm. as well. And, um, As much as there is development for housing, there's a huge shortage of housing. I mean, there are people on both ends of the spectrum. People who can afford a nice home are having difficulty finding the right kind of home in Washington County. And people who can't afford a two-bedroom are having difficulty and are displaced, are going further and further into the margins of of the region. Um, So... It's a it's a complex county in that respect.
2: And so, what what is Van focusing on in terms of the goals for the county?
0: So, you know, Van's overarching goal is to look at these critical issues um, through the lens of equity. And as I described, you know, this disparity between the haves and the have-nots, if you will. Um, and the struggle to um, bring together these geographically diverse municipalities, we, unlike a county like Multnomah, where you have Portland, which is the epicenter of that county, we have no epicenter in Washington County. We have South County, where you've got Tigard, and Sherwood. You've got East County, where you have Beaverton and parts of Hillsborough. And then West County, where you've got Forest Grove, Cornelius, Banks, Gaston, North Plains. So all of these cities that all have their own agendas, their own priorities, and Van is trying to connect the dots Mm -hmm. and to find common threads, um, common priorities that can somehow link the cities with the county and with the community, and and on top of that, you've got incorporated areas versus unincorporated. There's 40 percent of the region of Washington County is unincorporated, so it presents some very interesting challenges when it comes to community building in the county.
2: So, what are the common threads that that tie these disparate communities together?
0: Well, I think um, one of the one of the common threads that that we're seeing is uh, affordable housing. I mean, I don't think that comes as any surprise to the listeners because that's become a national problem. Um, But we're seeing it in a big way in the Portland metro area and Washington County is not immune. The estimates range from anywhere 14,000 to 20,000 units of affordable housing that aren't available. And there are very few municipalities within the Washington County region that aren't affected by that. Um, I would I would say the vast majority would would agree that affordable housing is a top priority. So that's something with, that we're trying to um, galvanize support for. Um, also, you know, poverty in general. When you just think about poverty, it's not centralized. It is throughout the county, in both incorporated city areas, unincorporated areas. Incorporated, rural areas—it's everywhere. Um, some are dealing with it to a greater extent than others, but we don't see any geographic uh, epicenter for issues related to poverty.
2: So, tell us about um, maybe a specific area where uh, Van is, is is convening and you know creating opportunities for collaboration
3: the Washington County uh, Nonprofit Network Um, and we provide training and peer learning and networking opportunities for nonprofits that predominantly serve Washington County and this was created in 2008 in response to a philanthropy study that we did in Washington County that taught us a few things Um, one um, that the nonprofits in Washington County need as much support as possible for capacity building and they need that training to be able to increase uh, the impact of their work Uh, so we bring excellent training um, to Washington County, um, mostly Beaverton and Hillsboro. Uh, halfway through this fiscal year, we've served 170 staff and volunteers at nonprofits, um, and that's everyone from Centro Cultural to uh, Community Action. Um, some of the tinier nonprofits, like uh, the Dairy Creek. Creek Food Web um, and Adelante Mujeres, um, wonderful organizations in Washington County, doing amazing work every day. That just need um, some training around donor development, volunteer engagement, those really critical aspects of nonprofit work.
2: I can yeah, I, I can imagine that the capacity building needs. You know, they're they're, they're so common for for um, all nonprofits. Um, where do you feel like your um, the training you provide, where is... Where's the, your real strength in terms of the providing capacity building? Well,
3: consulting? we do some great workshops with the Willamette Valley Development Officers focused mm-hmm. on um, fundraising in general. Uh, but more than anything, I think one of our strengths is that we we bring the nonprofits together, so they have the opportunity to network, they have the opportunity to start brainstorming about collaborating. Um, and like Glenn said, this county is so big, uh, and Sometimes the cities, the the work in the cities get a bit siloed. And so this is their opportunity to uh, dialogue a little bit at our workshops and events.
2: Um, So you said how many nonprofits are are part of this? So we had 170
3: individuals so far. And that reflects about 60 plus nonprofits uh, that are serving Washington County.
2: Do you have a sense of how many nonprofits are in
3: Washington County? Oh, gosh. I mean, I would say a thousand, but that includes things like baseball clubs um, mm-hmm. and school choir groups, which are wonderful. Um, yeah. But those aren't the individuals that we're looking to serve. We're looking to serve mostly social service mm-hmm. uh, agencies uh, in Washington County. Yes.
2: You're listening to the Nonprofit Hour. I'm sitting with Felicia Monteblanco and Glenn Montgomery at the Vision Action Network. We'll be right back after our musical break.
4: you can't do it on your own, it's like bare hands digging through stone, and if things go down much deeper hills, even money won't pay these bills, but time will show, 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 people gonna be okay, the storm never comes to
2: Listening to the nonprofit hour, I'm sitting with Felicia Monteblanco and Glenn Montgomery at the Vision Action Network. Um, so, how do nonprofits find out about your services?
3: Well, a lot of them already know (laughs) because they regularly attend our events, Mm -hmm. Um, but we also promote quite a bit um, through our channels, um, and we have wonderful partners like the Willamette Valley Development Officers and Nonprofit Association of Oregon who promote our work, and there's wonderful capacity-building events and trainings happening in Portland, and so we take that barrier away by bringing them to Beaverton, to Hillsborough, to Tualatin,
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, and so that already is very appealing to our attendees.
2: So many nonprofits, um, it's hard for them to make time for capacity building. Are you able to compensate, um,
3: employees
2: that come or staff that come? So
3: we, like I said, we eliminate as many barriers as Mm -hmm. we can, and this includes cost. And, um, so our workshops are free, Mm uh, which is wonderful and we can do that thanks to our sponsors. Mm -hmm. Um, so several of the nonprofits, you know, sometimes they're entirely volunteer run so they can, um, they don't have to pay out of their own pocket Mm -hmm. um and then our workshops are typically two hours um and first thing in the morning so that's been successful for us
2: that's great um I think that um, funders and um, capacity-building organizations have so much to, to learn themselves. There needs to be a collaborative opportunity to learn how to um, to give capacity-building support Absolutely. to and nonprofits. Absolutely. And so
3: there's actually an at-capacity group. That's what we call oh, ourselves in the yeah. Portland metro area okay. that meet, go over calendars, make sure not to step on each other's toes in terms of programming and dates. Huh. Um, and so we regularly communicate because we, we want to make sure the nonprofits in our community are the best and have all the tools and resources they need. And so we know that we have to talk to, each
2: other. Um so what other programs so do you have the the Washington County nonprofit um network what what other programs um come out of VAN?
0: So one of our big initiatives is called Washington County Thrives mm-hmm. and coincidentally it began in 2008 but it was as a result of the recession and um VAN was approached by Community Action, which is, I believe, the largest nonprofit in Washington County. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And Community Action is part of a wider network. They're actually part of a national network um, that receives federal funding. And they just celebrated their 50-year anniversary. But Community Action Washington County was working with its network of partners throughout the state on an Oregon Thrives initiative in response to the recession to try to shore up economic security for the most marginalized and the most vulnerable in our population. And when community action in Washington County decided we should be doing something locally to support this, they approached Van and said, we really want you to co-convene with us because you're the convener of collaboration in Washington County. We have this mission around economic security. We'd like to work with you to bring together a a coalition to address economic insecurity in Washington County. And so that conversation has been ongoing since the height of the recession. And we are at a point right now where we've identified three focus areas to break the cycle of poverty. These are evidence-based strategies revolving around access to affordable housing, early learning opportunities for children under the age of six, and workforce development so that people can have a, a track, a path to living wage employment. So those three areas are what we are now um, working to raise awareness among our political leaders, our business leaders, the general populace, so that we can begin to support in a much more intentional and substantive way over a long-term period these strategies to help break that cycle and the trend that I spoke to you about, the rapidly growing population that we have that is either working poor or, in, uh, or impoverished at the federal poverty level, breaking that cycle, reversing the trend and getting them on a path to prosperity. We believe that Washington County is a place where all people can contribute to and benefit from the prosperity of the county.
2: If someone were coming to Washington county to um, to see some of the, the the good work that's going on, what program or what um, model would you have them look at first if they were looking at, I love how you describe Washington county as a microcosm and there's so much that needs to be learned from the work that's being done in, in Washington county what w- what would you show them?
0: Well, a couple things come to mind for me, um, and I'll let Felicia chime in. Um, But I'm thinking of, you know, some of the programs, I know some of the uh, specific programs that we're highlighting as part of our Thrives initiative. There are some wonderful, uh, well, the Head Start program is a perfect example. It is a program that works. Getting children to read and having them get some kind of access to intellectual stimulation at a young age gets them on a path that um, is life-transforming. Um, So the work that Community Action's been doing in the education realm and some of the work that we're seeing the early learning education hub. I don't know if you're familiar with the early learning hubs, but the work that we're going to be doing with the early learning hub and the collaboration there is very exciting. Um, When you look at um, workforce development, there are some specific programs. So one of the programs that's been very successful is called Future Connect. A wonderful program that identifies students that have potential, but do not nece- are either in a family where no one has ever gone to college, they're the first to enter college, and gets them on a fast track, and has been highly successful at bringing these students through high school into community college and then into a four-year college.
3: And that program receives funding from the cities, which is essential, and they're a wonderful partner.
0: Yeah. So it's a, it's a good example of collaboration that's happened. A third that comes to mind for me is the mental health response team. This is one that did win our Cameron Award last year. So each year, Van awards a, uh, a collaborative initiative that embodies our mission.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And the mental health response team was um, a collaboration between the sheriff's office, the county's mental health services, and LifeWorks Northwest, which is a nonprofit that serves people with mental illness and addiction. And that collaborative went from a situation where the Sheriff's Office was responding to people who were clearly having a mental health crisis, but the Sheriff's Office did not have the tools to be able to adequately respond to an individual. And they literally had to wait until that individual acted out and committed a crime before they could actually respond. And it went from that kind of a situation to bringing mental health counselors who ride along with deputies and de-escalate problems when they see that it is a mental health crisis the mental health response team responds and they can de-escalate that crisis bring someone in with the expertise so that that person they don't have to wait anymore until that person acts out and what that has done in the community has truly been transformative Families are now calling the police to say, my brother is in crisis
2: or my, my,
0: my dad is acting out and they're not afraid to have the police show up. Whereas before they weren't making that call because they knew my brother or my dad's going to get arrested. And so that's been a wonderful thing. And it's been a culturally transformative thing for the agencies that have been involved. Huge success.
3: So I'll just highlight um, some of the affordable housing work that's happening in Washington County that's wonderful. Um, the first thought I had when you asked that question was Star, which offers uh, affordable housing to individuals who work uh, agricultural jobs, um, mostly Latinos, in western Washington County, so Forest Grove, Cornelius, Hillsboro, Reedville. Um, and they have wonderful programs, and they're focused on place-based. Um, so they provide after-school care for the kiddos. They do um, GED and uh, English language classes at their at their apartments, um, as well as opportunities for leadership for the individuals uh, living there, for the families and individuals living there. So it's a wonderful program. Um,
2: Tell us about your work with folks from Adelante Muir Harris. Um,
3: uh, Adelante is very engaged with all of our projects. Um, all of them, <laughs> really and truly. Um, one of which, the Washington County Nonprofit Network. They attend our events regularly, including our Meet the Funders event in the fall, which is an opportunity for nonprofits um, and funders to uh, meet at roundtables and have great discussions. Um, they're also part of our Crescendo Juntos initiative, um, which is focused on uh, Latino poverty in western Washington County. Um, we're working with both the school districts there, including the Forest Grove School District and the Hillsborough School District. And we have all the Latino serving nonprofits um, in that area as part of our team, including Adelante, as well as Bienestar and Centro uh, Cultural and Virginia Garcia. Um, and they're also at the table for Thrives, mm-hmm. and they're wonderful uh, participants in all our initiatives.
2: And again, today, uh, I'm Julie Falk, and we are talking to Glenn Montgomery, Executive Director of the Vision a- Action Network, and Top Montablanco, Administrative and Events Coordinator. I hear you have some events coming up. Um, what is on the calendar for Vision Action
3: Network? In mid-March, we will be hosting a collaboration workshop, which Glenn will be facilitating and leading, um, so that should be great. And then June 1st, we have our annual celebration, um, which will also celebrate our Cameron Award winner for this year which we don't know who it is yet <laughs> um, and it's a great event we'll have about 100 plus people it's our 15th anniversary so we want to honor the past but we also want to look to the future and we're really excited to celebrate with our constituents well thank you so much for
2: being here Glenn and Felicita I know that I've enjoyed learning about Vision Action Network and um, I'm sure our listeners have too thank you so much thanks thank for you. having us and music for us to go out on today when there's no
0: to run
4: Is there room for one more song One more song
1: Listening to the Nonprofit Hour from the Media Institute for Social Change on X Ray FM. To become a supporting member of the Media Institute and find out more about their work, you can visit MediaMakingChange.org. Members receive annual benefits and support programs such as the Nonprofit Hour and their summer documentary program. The Nonprofit Hour is also brought to you in part by generous support from Pacific Continental Bank. And business works. Find out more at www.therightbank.com or www.businessworkspdx.com. Next up, we'll listen in on Phil bussey's talk with Portland mayoral candidate and current Multnomah County Commissioner Jules Bailey. Here is Phil. This is Phil bussey It's the Nonprofit Hour on X-Ray FM. I am
5: so happy to be joined in the studio today with Jules Bailey, who is a candidate for
6: mayor of Portland. Welcome. Thank you so much, Phil. It's a pleasure to be with you. I have to apologize in advance. I'm fighting a bit of a cold. So hopefully that helps my radio voice. But if I cough here and there, you'll know why. I was Bill Clinton's uh, first campaign in 92. He would always
5: lose his voice after, Uh, after he'd been on like on these these long bender campaign benders. And it
6: was I found that so inspiring. I'm not sure it's inspiring when you're on the other side of it, but uh, it certainly happens. And, you know, you just power through because you got to have a conversation with a lot of people.
5: And we're going to talk specifically about nonprofits and some of the issues that nonprofits (laughs) work on
6: uh, here in Portland. But let's just start out with how's, how's the campaign going? It's going well, and in fact, uh, very proud of some recent endorsements that have come down from Oregon League, of course, and Conservation Voters, the Sierra Club, Portland Association of Teachers, and others. And uh, I think it really speaks to the grassroots nature of this campaign. I've limited my campaign contributions, capped it at no more than 250 per person. I'm the only major candidate to do that. This is a campaign about having a mayor who's going to work for everybody, and I would love to be that mayor. And you're having fun? I am having fun. You
5: you've 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 run campaigns before and successfully yeah uh how is running for mayor different
6: the com there's a lot more conversations, a lot more people uh it's a it a lot more spotlight uh, on running for mayor it's actually it's a it's a big difference, and making sure that you're able to talk to all the different community organizations, all the different voters it's a big challenge just yesterday uh I was out. At uh, David Douglas High School Uh, and that's not an area I've represented in Portland before but it's an area that's critical to our future making sure that we're having conversations with everybody in Portland
5: yeah and and as County Commissioner and and this will start to steer us towards some more nonprofit issues the county really it's not a clean line but but has Mm -hmm. a lot more of the social services that's right yeah it handles Um, explain to our listeners then why you want to leave uh, the county and work for uh, be the mayor of Portland
6: I've enjoyed my work at the county and, in fact, hadn't looked to go anywhere else. And I enjoy very much working with uh, Chair Deborah Kafoury, and I'm very much aligned with a lot of her ideas and values. Uh, But as I looked at the race for mayor, especially after it became essentially a de facto one-person race, I didn't see another candidate in the race that was going to be committed to the job for the long run and who is going to really be laser-focused on solving our biggest issues. And we have to have city-county partnership to be able to do that. And I think my experience at the county, my relationships there will help me do that, whether we're talking about housing affordability, whether we're talking about homelessness. The city does handle a lot of the more infrastructure side of the equation, but you can't forget about that part when you're also addressing the social service side of the equation.
5: And and I just want to go back, and you said you want to address the, the city's biggest issues. Uh, you said homelessness, you said affordable housing. Are those the big issues?
6: I mean, can you give me a top five list? Absolutely. So affordability is a huge one. This is a town that's unaffordable for too many working families. My wife and I have seen it firsthand when we got our rears handed to us in the housing market. But we're fortunate. We have two good incomes for a lot of working families. They just can't make ends meet, especially when you put childcare on top of that. Uh, Homelessness, I think any walk down the street will tell you that uh, things aren't right. And tent camping is a symptom of a larger disease. We don't have enough shelter that's connected to mental health and addiction services, that's connected into permanent and supportive housing that we absolutely need. Uh, we have a city that's also uh, has a transportation uh, challenge. Uh, we have underinvested. We're falling behind when it comes to a lot of different areas of alternative transportation. We're not the leader on uh, bike and pedestrian transportation anymore. We're not the leader on public transportation, and that's something that we've always prided ourselves on, and also on our education system. And I talk about education, and the pushback I always get is. Well, you know, of course, the mayor doesn't have anything to do with the schools. And while that's technically true, it's been a cop-out for way too long. And you've got to have a mayor who's willing to take a leadership stand, get people in a room, and talk about how we have the support and the funding for a world-class education system.
5: Jules, that, that, you, you just threw a lot of topics out there, so we're yep. going to go back and, and- Yes, for five. so <laughs> I
6: think
5: it was tre- four, we're, technically. We're going to tread over some of those a little bits more. Um, and 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 if you can talk about some of the nonprofits that you've worked with, yeah. again, this is the nonprofit hour. Yeah. Um, let Let's start with transportation. I mean, I think that that is a bold, if on becoming, statement to say that Portland's not the leader in, in bike transportation. I think that 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 would uh, make some people take notice, if not uh, concern or offense. Yeah. Uh, where are you finding your
6: ideas for how to get Portland back? At the lead of the pack? Well, it's a great question. And let me start by saying, just as a, as a general statement nonprofits are the backbone of how we actually get good work done in Portland, in Multnomah County, in the region. Government can't do it alone. The mayor can't do it alone. We do it in partnership with nonprofit providers that are able to help us solve a lot of different issues. And but for an amazing community of people that are willing to step up and hold hands and do this together, we wouldn't be able to solve these challenges. And that's one reason why I've called this campaign Together for Portland, because I believe in what we're able to do together, specifically on transportation. We do have a lot of organizations that are working very hard. Uh, We have uh, obviously the Bicycle Transportation uh, Alliance, but also uh, we have OPAL, uh, we have Oregon Walks, we have other organizations that have been out there at the forefront of walking, biking, public transit. Uh, But what we need is sustained serious investment and investment that's equitable. So it's not just about folks in inner Southeast Portland where I grew up uh, who can get to work in any way that they want, but folks who live in East County or, or in other places.
5: Yeah, absolutely, and 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 I, and I want to go on that question too of thinking about where you're getting your ideas. Do you? Yeah. You're out on the campaign trail, and obviously, uh, the, the the purpose is to to get votes and to get yeah. into office. Um, but it's it's also it's an elongated job interview. Sure. And part of that has to be the research that you have to do. Right. In terms of that, have you had a chance? To uh, on that side of the equation to bring in information from nonprofits, um, and and how would you see that translating into your role as a mayor, and creating an open door policy for nonprofits or
6: uh, using them as part of your brain trust? Absolutely. So in fact, just recently I had a chance to have. Some of the organizations that I just mentioned in my office, we had a roundtable discussion. Uh, Representatives from each of them were there talking to me about the issues that are in the community. And so I've already started that process of reaching out, gathering information from them. It's not just a one-way street of the mayor says, here's what we need to do. The mayor needs to be a facilitator and a listener. But it's also about reaching out uh, to research, to academics, and to policy people that are already engaged in this. Uh, I've already been meeting with the city of Portland's bicycle transportation folks uh, to understand what's happening now. There's a lot of temptation and a lot of pressure on candidates to come in and have some whiz-bang new idea or shiny object because that's what captures attention. But the reality is you have to have good policy that's grounded in what's already happening and a clear plan for how you're going to continue it or do better.
5: And you know, and, and that idea of the roundtable you just hosted is, seems like a good lead into your
6: first song recommendation. Do you want to
5: uh, tell us what that
6: is? Well, I've always been a fan of the Beatles, and call me old-fashioned, but uh, I get by with a little help from my friends because we can't do it without our friends. Let's take a listen. What would you
4: think if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing Try not to sing out of key Oh, I get by with a little help from my friends I get high with a little help from my friends Gonna try with a little help
5: Was of course, the Beatles. Uh, this is the Nonprofit Hour. I'm Phil Bussey and I am talking with Jules Bailey, who is a candidate for mayor of Portland. And before the break, we are talking about uh, transportation and where you're getting some of your ideas. Um, let's talk more about affordability. Yeah. That seems to really be a primary conversation point uh, for people in the city and in the mayor's campaign. I especially think where it falls in into line for the nonprofits, uh, nonprofits don't always, their staff don't always get paid as much. No. And you start to get into this Rubik's Cube of, if you don't solve one problem, you can't solve the other. So you have nonprofits that are doing great work, like you pointed out, mm-hmm. but if the city's
6: not affordable, you start to lose that nonprofit work staff. Right. Yeah, Not not only do people who work for nonprofits... Uh, get paid less because uh, nobody's doing it for the money. Let's be clear. Uh, but they also that we can't have a system where people who work for nonprofits have to commute in from battleground. That doesn't that doesn't work for anybody. Uh, we need people who are located in the community who understand the needs of the community, and that means we have to have a community that's affordable uh, for everybody. And so, uh, one of the ways we can do that is by bringing back uh, the kinds of neighborhood scale infill and density that's always made Portland great, but that we've moved away from. So duplexes, triplexes, garden home apartments. Take a random walk through inner Southeast Portland or the, uh, the Alphabet District, and you'll see a lot of those units, but they were built a long time ago. These aren't big monstrosities. These are uh, ways to get workforce housing back into the community, but we've banned them in R5 zoning, and neighborhood zoning. We need to bring that back. It's a very simple uh, solution. But on top of that, We also need to have a, I've called for a two-track process where if you want to build Cadillac housing that's only available to real estate speculators or people that are moving here with a lot of cash, fine. We'll have your normal waiting period for permits. We'll have your normal fees that go on top of that. You want to build smaller, more affordable neighborhood scale infill that's affordable to working families. We'll get you to the front of the line on permitting. We'll make sure that you're, we're waiving key fees and we're putting a, a finger on the scale to make sure we get that kind of investment. And nonprofits are a big part of that strategy. Proud Ground is doing great work on uh, home ownership models and community land trust models for lower income people. Oregon Opportunity Network is an amazing consortium of people that are front and center on the affordability crisis. We have experts in the community that we need to work with
5: want to uh, change and, and uh, you you've mentioned a few nonprofits throughout uh, the the discussion so far are there any nonprofits that you contribute to currently that you're really proud that you contribute to
6: absolutely so uh, in addition to um one-time gifts to a lot of different nonprofits. I'm a sustaining monthly donor. Uh, My wife and I don't have a lot of spare income, so it's not a lot of money. Uh, But we are sustaining monthly donors to Street Roots uh, and to Fame Academy, which is an organization that uh, works with people with developmental disabilities and helps them express themselves in art.
5: And I would think that one of the things of of, uh, being a candidate for mayor and potentially being mayor is is there's a, for lack of a better word, there's going to be a target on your back in terms of (laughs) people are going to want you to be a contributor or part of their nonprofit or, or to be excited about it. At a certain point, do you not have the capacity to pay attention to everyone?
6: Well, I think part of being mayor is making sure that you're getting out and listening to all the different voices, whether or not I can personally contribute to folks. We pay fifteen hundred bucks a month for childcare for our six month old, and we have a mortgage that uh, is a little north of where we want it to be. So, can't help everybody out, but uh, can certainly give to certain organizations. And as mayor, I can absolutely pledge that I'll be a mayor that will work very closely with all the different nonprofits in Portland. One of the
5: one of the topics you haven't talked about, but you've done work at as a county commissioner, uh, LGBTQ, yeah, uh, and and working really for providing information. Yeah. Um, Can you talk about, again, some of the nonprofits, the work that you see that they're doing and and how you feel like uh, the county or the city
6: can can provide even more support? Well, I've been a real advocate, particularly on uh, LGBTQ and trans justice issues. I think that we are in danger of having checked a box and saying, well, we have marriage equality in Oregon, so somehow the work is done. 40% of kids who are on the streets identify as LGBTQ. They're still discriminated against at an incredibly high rate. And so one of the things that I did in the legislature was pass a bill called the Healthy Teen Relationship Act. We're now implementing it Through Multnomah County, my office is leading on it. And what it does is it works with nonprofit providers to bring education into the schools to talk about what a healthy relationship is in every context, in gay, lesbian, uh, transgender, bisexual relationships, and also for gender identity for trans kids. We're working very closely with Raphael House of Portland uh, on implementing it. They've come up with a great curriculum. We're working with SMERC, uh, the organization that works with transgender youth. We're working with Basic Rights Oregon. Uh, we're working with the Q Center. and uh, We're working with TransActive, and I'm a really big fan of the work that TransActive is doing. They're an unsung hero uh, in our community. These are some of our most vulnerable kids, and we have to keep focused on them. Um, Jules, that would seem like maybe... Good setup for the next song. Well, I uh, am an old Bob Marley fan as well. Uh, I got it from my dad, and this is redemption song. And I believe that as we confront the challenges that we have, we have to emancipate ourselves from mental slavery. And there is a uh, there's an opportunity here to have really tough conversations. Well said.
5: That was, of course, Bob Marley. This is the Nonprofit Hour. I'm talking today with Jules Bailey, a candidate for mayor of Portland. Let's talk a little bit about just the campaign in general. I think there's so much attention being paid to the presidential campaign, yeah. and and the tone. I mean, just the the the, the uh, riotous tone that has been set, especially on the Republican side. Uh, I attended a couple weeks ago the <clears throat> debate, the discussion at Revolution Hall where eight of the leading candidates were there, and it was truly remarkable. It was people were respectful, ideas that presented were very good, everybody was composed. Seven out of eight people were
6: composed. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry I wasn't composed.
5: I, I, how is it from the inside looking out? I mean, is it, it has to feel like you are at odds potentially with with that
6: what you're seeing on the national level? Well, I do think we have an opportunity in Portland to really provide a counterpoint. And when you see the just the dysfunction at the national level, especially on the Republican side, the fear, the 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 hatred that's coming out, the discrimination that's bringing out the worst in people, Portland's been a city that's always brought out the best in people, and I think that we can show that in this mayor's race. The fact is, you have a lot of good candidates uh, that are running. I believe I'm the best candidate for the job, and I'm going to make that case, but I consider every other person who's running a friend, I think they have good ideas, and I think that we can show that we can have civil discourse, and when we disagree, do so in a way that's about what the future of Portland is, not about personalities. You know, but, but to take the counterpoint, that doesn't make good f- for good
5: reality TV. And is, <laughs> is, is, is that a problem that uh, the audience is being primed to expect fireworks and when the, what they get instead is intellectual policy discussion that, that you find it a harder sell? Or is that selling um,
6: Portland voters short by thinking that way? I do think Portland voters are a different breed and are interested in the policy discussions. I can't count how many times I've laid out a proposal. And the immediate question is, yes, but how are you going to do that? And then we get to get get into the wonky details of it. And in fact, we have over 100 House parties scheduled for this campaign. We're having 30, 40 people showing up in living rooms on weekday nights, on school nights to talk about the future of the city. In general, I do worry that sometimes our political discourse is being eroded and that uh, people are being fed these soundbite messages. People are being, uh, as you say, primed for reality TV, uh, for conflict, and and the media, as we've seen a decentralization of media, and media that's more focused on clicks than content, uh, is also driving towards this sort of he said, she said. Uh, But I'm very hopeful that we can set a different tone in the Portland mayor's race and show that that also can be successful, even if, admittedly, not as exciting. Um,
5: Part of competition... However, obviously there's winners and losers. Uh, and I want to go back to some of your recent endorsements, and you have won some some really notable endorsements. Um, can we talk about the Sierra Club? Yeah. Uh, why Why do you feel like you received that endorsement? Um, and you know, please use that as a springboard to talk about some environmental issues and environmental nonprofits in the in the region.
6: Absolutely. And one of the things we've always had is a leadership uh, on sustainability in the environment in Portland. But that's another area where I feel like we've been resting on our laurels uh, a little bit and we're falling behind. We used to have the most green buildings in the nation, LEED certified buildings in the nation. We're not even close uh, anymore. I think I was able to secure the endorsements of Oregon League of Conservation Voters and the Sierra Club uh, because of my track record of success in working on environmental issues and bringing people together. When I was a freshman in the Oregon State Legislature, I passed a climate change bill unanimously with Republican support. I can't remember the last time a climate change bill passed unanimously. And it helped uh, create Clean Energy Works Oregon with Mayor Sam Adams and what he was doing here in Portland. And that helps people upgrade their homes for energy efficiency and uh, renewable energy. And that's the kind of thing that we can do that lowers our carbon footprint, creates jobs, and helps keep people in their homes. But I think there's a lot more uh, that we need to do. There's been a lot of concern recently over the air toxic emissions that have happened in Bullseye Glass in southeast Portland, but in other places in Portland as well. And I think people are very rightly concerned about what's going into the air that we breathe. So I've called for a regional air quality authority so we can make those decisions locally. And as we do that, we've seen an incredible nonprofit, Neighbors for Clean Air, that has taken the lead on this and has had incredible success at shining a light on the air-toxic problems that we have.
5: Jules, I I want to thank you for coming in and talking with us, and and thank you for uh, all the good work that you've done, and congratulations on on running a good campaign so far. one last question and then one last song suggestion you you've been into the mayor's office before and there's there's the the wall of all the the previous mayors and, yeah. and especially fun to look at the in the 19th centuries there's uh uh there's facial hair that would put even the most ambitious hipster to shame ha. i'm trying to bring that back just a little bit <laughs> do you
6: do you have do you have a favorite mayor that that you want to talk about favorite portland mayor well, I think we've been had some good mayors uh, in the past. And uh, I think, you know, going back to facial hair, Bud Clark was uh, a, a guy who uh, owned a bar, was very Portland. He was on his bike, exposed himself to art uh, famously, uh, and really sort of had that Portland ethos. I think Mayor Katz really fundamentally understood how City Hall works. And her experience in the legislature, similar to my experience, I think really set her up uh, for being mayor. And then obviously the partnership with Mayor Adams that we had on creating Clean Energy Works Oregon. But fundamentally what we need is more than a one-term mayor. And we need somebody who's committed to the job for the long run. And that's why I've pledged not to run for any other office for at least eight years if I'm elected, because we need leadership when we're at a turning point. Jules Bailey, candidate for mayor, and this is the Nonprofit Hour. Let's have one song to take you out. Well, fundamentally, I'm an optimist. I think Portland is a wonderful place, and so let's have a little bit of an upbeat song with What a Wonderful World. Great choice.
4: they
1: We've now come to the end of this week's Nonprofit Hour show. The show has been produced and edited by myself, Jason Dennington, and is recorded at the production studios of X Ray FM. You can follow us on Facebook or via our Twitter handle, at Nonprofit Hour, and find archives of past shows on our SoundCloud page. If you'd like to make a comment or suggestion about an organization we should profile on a future show, please send an email to nph at mediamakingchange.org. We'd like to thank our guests on the show this week, Glenn Montgomery and Felicita Monteblanco of Vision Action Network and County Commissioner and Portland Mayoral Candidate, Jules Bailey. We'd also like to thank the Media Institute for Social Change, our regular hosts, Phil Bussey and Julie Falk, KXRY Radio X-Ray FM, our supporters, Pacific Continental Bank and Business Works, and most of all to you, our regular listeners. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you have a great week, and join us again next week at noon on Monday for the Nonprofit Hour Show.